Hey everyone, how you doing out there? Hope you're doing well today. And before we get into my chat with Bitch Putin, I want to direct your attention to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Yes, patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. You can head over there now and join Hot Dog Club. What's Hot Dog Club? You know what Hot Dog Club is. Hot Dog Club is the community that brings you this series. And now there aren't just the three tiers. Oh no, there's eight of them. So head on over, see which one works right for you. Maybe the one where you can join the weekly hot dog club Zoom meetup. It's a lot of fun. The first one happened last week and it was over four hours. So you get a lot of bang for that buck. The associate producer tier, the executive producer tier. Oh, that reminds me. Thank you to our executive producer, Lindsay Rose. Yes, that's right. The People's Candidate is now executive producer of the show. So there's a lot of madcap stuff happening over at patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. A lot of fun, a lot of things, and a lot of stuff. So while you head over there, let's listen to my chat with Bitch Puddin'. A Russian ballerina, stopping on a bureaucrat. A perky suburban housewife, who just got into scat. It's whimsically volatile. Bitch Puddin', how are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm quite well, thank you, especially considering the circumstances. I'm having a good day today. I've had a couple bad days recently, but I think that that's par for the course. How about you? I know that you've been doing some exciting things, but still, I'm sure you're having the ups and downs. Yeah. Last night I had a fever randomly, and I got like fucking paranoid, and then today I woke up without it. So I think I just was like overworking myself and had exhaustion. My body was like, bitch, you need to sit the fuck down and take a nap. And I was like, okay, melatonin it is. (laughs) (laughs) So today I feel like super rested, and I feel really good today. Yeah. You know, I struggle with that too, with uh, overworking and rest, Uh especially during this time where, of course, I get comfort out of working to the maximum of my capacity, and then sometimes past that capacity. And so are you like that too, especially because you're doing the fabulous digital drag show? Definitely. I just feel like there's no like off button because it's not like, oh, I'm going to go meet up friends for dinner (laughs) or like, oh, I got this drag show I got to work at. No, it's like you kind of feel guilty if you're not working on something because it's like all you got to do is technically time. So it's kind of like we're in this weird paradox. I feel like we're all in house arrest, but like everyone's working like the most. It's weird. It's like such a weird, I feel like more busier now than I have been when I was touring each and every weekend after winning Dragula. And like, it's crazy to me that's the case, you know? Right. Tell me about the beginnings of Digital Drag Show because you happen to be roommates with a fabulous video (laughs) artist and producer named Meg, right? Yeah, I do. So um, basically I had a couple gigs start to cancel and like one of the major ones was with the LA Gamer Society and we were doing a launch party for Final Fantasy VII. And it was super exciting. We were partnering with PlayStation, Square Enix, like the developers of the games. And I was just so bloody fucking excited to, um, hold on, to like fucking like make that party happen. And it was a lot of like teeth pulling to get everything in range. And then all of a sudden the party was canceled because of COVID. And I was yeah. just like, kind of like having a temper tantrum in the living room being like, what the fuck? You know, it's like, <laughs> why? This like invisible thing is like fucking us all. So I was like, damn it. And uh, I said, what are we going to do now? Just digital drag. And then like my roommate came out of her bedroom, Megan, and she was like, that sounds like a great idea. So I was like, I've been trying to do stuff on Twitch for a while. It's just like, you kind of need a consistent schedule to be successful. So Mm -hmm. like, but being a drag performer, it's like Thursday, I'm here, Friday, I'm here, Monday, I'm here. Like it always kind of changes because you're kind of like a, you wear many hats as a drag performer. And your schedule, so, even your sleep schedule can rotate. <laughs> right. It's yeah. just like whatever works. So um, I was like, well, now it's time to put up or shut up. And that's what we started doing. But I casted the entire show and released the promo 
before realizing how to do it technically. <laughs> so like Wednesday or Thursday night, we were like doing it and I was like, holy fuck. And then when we finally figured it out, we were like, yeah, it was like seriously the highest high I've ever had in my life. It was so awesome. But I mostly did it to like, cause out of frustration, but also because I saw each and every person that I knew, regardless if you've been on a platform or not, post their Venmo, Cash App or PayPal. Then it was like heartbreaking because I was like, regardless if you're a CZQ hosting bingo on Tuesday nights or if you've been on an international platform like Dragula or Drag Race, like right. everybody was posting them or like, I'm making a cameo. And it was just like, we're more talented than this. We got to figure this out. Like there has to be something we can do. Right, exactly. There's got to be a way to do shows. And stuff. yeah, and also it's great though because you creating this platform with Megan, I think it's um, allowed people to actually do that, which I imagine is also a tremendous stress reliever, not just from the financial point of view, which is obviously pretty uh, important, right. but also yeah. from the performing aspect because most of us, you know, have that work thing, especially if you do have a taste of getting onto a platform and then having the ability to tour. Suddenly mm -hmm. you're like, okay, the thing that you know I was always struggling with, now I'm able to do, and to have that sort of snatched away. And the other thing that everyone's grappling with is having the no control aspect. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not because you, you bombed a bunch of shows or like, you know, and you're you, fucked or yeah, it's not yeah. because like, yeah. And I just feel bad for like, you know, the season 12 people that are on that right now. Like this is supposed to be like the highlight of their life. This is supposed to be touring regardless if you go home first or like you're in the top four, you know? Right, so right. It's just so, so, so fucking weird. We're in this weird belittling time. And it doesn't only affect entertainers. It affects like the promoters. It affects oh, God, like the yeah. bar staff, affects yeah. the managers, it affects like the security guy. Yeah. The security guy that like protects our asses each and every Friday night when we work, you know, like, I don't know, it, it affects everybody and like bars and like theaters and stuff like that's going to be the last thing that opens up because it's not really a necessity, although it is for us as a community because it's like sure. our church. That's why we see our... Is there a spiritual connection where we could see our family, our queer family, we get to see friends and have a good time and celebrate, but like, it's not a necessity. And like, that's a congregation of people. Like, you know, like yeah. you have to have so many people in there. So, and also in the, in the best circumstances, generally pressed up against each other. Like I remember yeah. when we met in person, it was at a really lovely event that precinct does every year, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Christmas party. And, yeah. And it was after the uh, Jinx and Ben Delacreme show so it was a nice uh -huh. like whole day it was like it was like it was a, great, a good time it was a great yeah. time i also think of when i was at precinct seeing christine shortly thereafter or maybe right before i'm not sure of the timeline and of course a christine show you know she's gonna lick the phone she's gonna oh yeah she's the filth queen just like me yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah i was actually filming yeah. her on my osmo pocket and she thought it was a yeah. microphone and she went and she tried to put it in her mouth and i actually was like uh-uh sorry darling that's not <laughs> mama no <laughs> yeah yeah uh-uh that's not happening right now just got this darling yeah uh no. <laughs> but also then i'm you know i made out with a stranger and there was people who we're practically having sex next to me. You know, like that's a Christine it's show. It's a beautiful place. You know, it it's is. a beautiful place. It's a beautiful you get to network. Yes. Exchange headshots and resumes. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> it is. And that's the place I always think of during this time of something that, you know, I'm really looking forward to when we can get back to that. Same. I want to network as much as I can after <laughs> this is over. <laughs> exactly. Networking, making out. I want all of it. Right. I want, I all, want of all of that. Definitely. Yeah. In your house. So it's you and Megan. Yeah, it's me, my friend, uh, my best friend, roommate, Megan, and then also my drag mother, Kiara, who performs with us weekly. Um, she's uh, she's here as well. And then we have a fourth friend that kind of is like half here, half not. Uh, he came over like a couple days before COVID happened to hang out. And then like after COVID got really real, 
he was like seclusing himself and I was like, well, if you already have it, we're going to get it from you anyway. So, and he's also a video, <laughs> he's also a videographer. His name is Brent Bailey. So he's been over each and every Friday and he's been self-quarantined too. So we're all kind of like somewhat quarantined together and he, we, yeah. we're kind of like what makes the show. So when you say yeah. somewhat quarantined, uh, so is he, he's not there all the time. He's not here all the time. He lives in a separate house. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, do, you, yeah. do you ever have any concerns about, um, uh, you know, I don't know his situation outside if there's other roommates or whatever. He has no, uh, his roommate is, doesn't not living with him and, um, he doesn't go out at all. Like he's had all his groceries delivered to him. Like cool. we've kind of been like as super serious about this as possible because like, I don't know my drag. Well, yeah, but also my drag mother's uncle has COVID wow. and just, I think just beat it, but also he had a kidney transplant right before and now his kidney is like rejecting it. So wow. he's like in the ICU and it's just like a whole bag of worms. So it's yeah, really scary. It's yeah. Cra- yeah. It's been fucking crazy. And like, you know, I have friends that work in the medical field and it's just really annoying because when people don't take this seriously, it's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, the Huntington beach shit. I'm sure you've seen it where like everyone's oh, yeah. at Huntington beach. I'm like, yeah. Y'all, like, don't you think I don't want to be at my house I right know. now? I want to suck all the dicks in the world. Like, like right. fuck you. Like, right. how do you not realize that this, like, if we all stayed in our house for one month, we wouldn't have to do this for the whole year. <laughs> right. But now we're fucking going to. But I, now we're fucking going to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not leaving until I don't know when. Do you know what I right. mean? Like, and, and right. do I want to have, have sex? Yes. Yes. Would, would I like a hug? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't want to drop dead. That's, no, you know, that's no, I yeah. don't want to do that shit. And it's just like, yo, like, what the fuck? Like, what's not getting y'all's heads, you know? And like, like even people who are hanging out and going to each other's houses, I'm like, no. Like, unless you've been like, had a situation like with us where like, you know, he's been here right. before and like right before. We've been seriously only being seeing each other. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but if you're like going to see, like, trust me, this is like such a shitty fucking time. But if we're not taking this seriously, it's going to be even longer. That's right. That's the thing. And we, a lot of people aren't thinking about uh, the long-term thing. And that's the thing that scares mm-hmm. me. And also the people who are doing these stupid protests. Now, obviously, the news makes it seem, and I'm not saying any kind of bias thing or anything, but you see a couple hundred people on the state house steps or whatever, and it's really scary. But then you have to think, okay, it's a couple hundred people versus whatever the population of that state is. Still, to right. see it in Massachusetts is really scary. But I'd like to remind people that just because a state is a blue state like Massachusetts, believe ye, uh, believe you me or ye, as I was going to say, yeah. apparently. Y'all, y'all, believe y'all. Believe ye and y'all. <laughs> yeah. There's a rednecks everywhere. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to school in upstate New York my freshman year at Harvard College, and there was Confederate frags hung everywhere. And I was wow. like, I'm from Southern Virginia. I was like, I didn't know they were up here, but okay, work. I mean, <laughs> I don't appreciate their viewpoint. I think their flag should be burned. But you know what? Say love you. Yeah, exactly. First Amendment, all that. So yeah, let's get into right. let's get into origin stories because we haven't chatted on the show before, and we were, oh work yeah yeah we wanted to. We were talking. You busted about that. my cherry with the <laughs> sultry voice that you have. Oh, I always listen you. to your podcast. You have a damn good voice. Oh, like I'm sure you. I'm sure a lot of men have told you that your voice is nice when you're in bed. I'm well, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I'm not going to say no to that, and I'll never say no to it. Either. Hello, hello, <laughs> networking. Okay, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, like, we, like I was saying, we were talking about uh, doing a show in, uh, around December, but then I was in London, where, of course, I got really sick, and now I wonder, did I have some kind of shard of this thing? And uh, you know, and if I did, yeah. thank goodness that it was only what it was. And who knows if I did? And we won't find out till we have. We won't find out till we all get testing, and we don't know when the fuck that's going to happen. Exactly. So. Although, did you see that Sean Penn's organization is uh, working towards? providing free testing for all LA citizens. I don't know. Oh my God. Fuck yes, Sean Penn. Right? Go off, Sean Penn. I know. I was watching 
like so i went from not watching the press briefings to then watching a bunch of them a week or two ago Wh- who knows right. Wh- who, what what is time right now so, i don't even know right so and then i saw garcetti's uh press conference because i was like well i just watched trump i need i need the other side i need real people and then i yeah. watched cuomo and garcetti and sean penn was there and there and i didn't know it was a of course a far away shot because everyone's far away and he goes, right. I'd like to turn this over to Sean Penn. And I was like, work. Yeah, awesome. Right. I was like, what? Cheers. Yeah. But anyway, so we were talking about doing a regular show. And so let's do a blend of that. And we'll, and we'll, of course, we'll do more shows in the future. But let's get back to yeah. your origin story. So you grew up where again? Okay. So it's weird. I'm a Navy brat. So oh, okay. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. And then after that, we've moved around every two some odd years. I lived on Guam, California, Rhode wow. Island. We moved all over. All my family's military except for me. And I'm also the only gay one, let alone I'm a drag queen and my name is Bitch Pudding. You kind of get the whole sense, right? You want to make it count. Um, if you're going to be yeah, outside. Like, the, if you're yeah. going to be that bitch, be that bitch, you know, like, <laughs> own it. Um, yeah. So I would say, though, I went to high school majorly in Virginia. So I said in like Southern Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, like my hometown. Yeah. Um, afterwards, I went to school for a brief stint in New York uh, for my freshman year. Then I transferred to Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia. Um, which I made bitch putting my thesis and then I kind of graduated. I spent my senior year in Atlanta. See, I like to move around a bit. I'm a slut. Um, (laughs) so I spent my senior year in Atlanta and then that's when, um, I started doing drag full time. So that's why when like I say where I'm from, I usually say Atlanta instead of Virginia beach because bitch came up in the Atlanta drag scene. Like everything I know about drag is because I was raised in that very diverse, beautiful scene. Now, what was it like when you first entered into that scene, even just as a patron <laughs> of the bar? Like, when, And also, was that the first time in that area, was that the first time that you went to our sacred spaces? You know, like... Uh, yeah, uh, I first saw drag in Virginia Beach, and then um, I did a charity show at SCAD in Savannah, Georgia, and that's where Bitch Pudding kind of came to be. Uh, everyone was trying to be like Rebecca or Giselle. I was like, I want to be the girl that got fucked by the lacrosse team and then showed up to work. Like, <laughs> I want to be that relatable girl. Yeah. Uh, so that's how bitch came about. And then when I went to Atlanta for the first time, I moved in with um, Violet Chachki, who had a really good friend at the time named Crying Callie. And she was part of this group called the Legendary Children, which included like Livonia Elberton, Allosaurus Rex. It's now like kind of Legendary Children, the art movement that they had in Atlanta kind of moved into Wussy Magazine, which is a queer Southern magazine that I'm sure you might be familiar with. They've done a lot of cool stuff. Um, so yeah, I kind of got involved with them. And my first night out there, I went out in drag because if you're going to work in drag, you need to go show what you look like. So I, my busted ass <laughs> went out in drag. <laughs> And I ended up going to the other show that night, which is a show that's prestigious um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it ha- it's started by Edie Cheeseburger and Jay Lish. Alumni from that show have been not only myself, but also Violet Tchotchke, Eva Destruction, Abora. You mm. kind of get the gist. Like a yeah, lot of great sure. talent that's come from that city yeah. has come through that show. And that was the first show I saw in Atlanta. And I was like, well, I want to be on that cast. And then a year later, I ended up, I don't know how the fuck I got there. I was busted. The girls <laughs> always would read me because I was just like, you know, your hair is shit, your makeup is shit. Because I was very avant-garde. I didn't give a fuck. I yeah, looked like sure. Twisted Sister. <laughs> I had a really good body. So my ass was always out and people got bitter. Like many girls got, many girls got pumped because they were trying to emulate what I ate. Like, basically what I had from cheese pizza. So yeah. That's like kind of like the backstory on bitch, I guess. Yeah. You know? Now, when did the subject matter of uh, your sexuality first present as a discussion topic with family? I'm guessing, and I could be wrong, <laughs> that your family might be a bit on the conservative side. Of course, I could be oh, mistaken. Oh, yeah, they okay. are. Um, but they've definitely come around. My dad like wears my merch, and he right. like talks about me to his friends. Like It's kind of cool. If you told me that my dad would be like that, I would have been like, 
uh, you're lying in middle school and shit. Um, <laughs> so I kind of knew senior year in high school when I first got the inkling of reeling I was gay uh, was like in retrospect, because I usually got like later on, like when you were masturbating and stuff, I would always look at a guy's chest, like, you know, the underwear, uh-huh. the, the Hanes underwear you would get and you'd like, <laughs> like sneak a copy underneath your bathroom sink and it's like pull that out when you were feeling really frisky. That was my life. Because this was before, like, we have phones to look up porn. You kids have it easy these days, okay? <laughs> I had a PSP with a shitty connection yeah. and Randy Blue trailers. If I was lucky and my family wasn't home, I could borrow the laptop. Okay, that's what we had. <laughs> we had to make zoo what we had. But I guess the first inkling I had when I knew I was, quote, different was, like, in middle school when yeah. you changed in gym class. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I didn't care if a girl was naked in front of me. But when a guy was, I got thought that was improper, Oh, because okay. I felt like that maybe should have been like in hindsight, because I always like I was like, why did I have such an issue changing with people? And I was like, oh, like this is probably it, because I felt that would maybe even like not sacred, but like save for something that's more like, you know, like changing yeah. getting naked next in front of somebody. It's kind of like an intimate thing. It is. And also because um, it's kind of a, a scary thing to even start yeah. thinking to unpack it. So it's yeah. like, that's like 15 doors before the last door. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. Definitely. And then like, of course, like the whole bullying shit being the Navy kid. Cause I would like move to a new school and I'd be friend. I was kind of cute at the time and I'd make friends with the girls mean, and just, the guys just at the time. I mean, what do you well, think? Just like, I mean, I mean, like <laughs> I had a boy's charm then, you know, and like uh, the guy, like uh, girls are just easier to make friends with. Yeah. And the guys, you know, dudes are, I'm guessing you do, but like, they're like, you know, oh, I'm friends with Chet, Brian, and Greg, and we've been friends since the third grade, and we're friends for life. You know, like they have like they make three friends, and they don't do anything else their whole life. That's like they're three friends; they yeah. don't fucking move out from that. Yeah, that's their comfort zone. That's who they are. So those three guys would probably have a crush on those girls, and I was a new kid, and I was like moving in on their girl, but I had no interest in them whatsoever. So like I would always be like a victim of like you know them bullying me, getting pushed into lockers. All sure, that kind of stuff. sure. And yeah, like I don't know. That's kind of like when I realized I was queer, but when I came out to my family was, um, <laughs> I waited till college. Uh-huh. Um, at this point I had not kissed a boy. I'd not <laughs> had sex. I was like very much like a squeaky clean straight edge girl. And, um, <laughs> I called my mom. She was coming up for parents weekend. I maybe told like three friends at this point. Yeah. But I was always like, if you like, if you talk to Steven, you would know, like my muggle name is Steven. If you talk to Steven, you would kind of know, like I, it was hard to hide it, but I was just not okay with it. Sure. sure. And then when I got to, and my mom would always have these conversations like, oh, sweetie, you know, if you are, it's okay. But like, I, she would never tell me that straight up, but we'd always be driving and some topic of LGBT stuff would come up and she'd just bring it up to me. So I thought maybe she always knew. Sure. So I was like prepping her. I was like, mom, parents weekend's coming up. I'm so excited for you to come here. I just want, like, there's something I want to get off my chest, but I want to tell you in person. I just like, I think the conversation will be in person. And I'm super excited to tell you. And she's a sarcastic little bitch, just like me. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, what you gay? And I start crying. Yeah. I start breaking down and crying. My mom goes, oh baby, you're gay. <laughs> like she had no idea. <laughs> Um, no idea whatsoever. And then my mom and dad were going through a rough patch at the time. And my dad was like, what's wrong? Cause I told him like, don't tell mom, don't do not tell dad. Do yeah. not tell dad. Don't, don't, don't tell dad. Like, yeah. I don't want that. I don't, I'm not here for that. Yeah. And she told him, and my dad thought I came out in high school and just didn't tell him because there was a kid on oh. my soccer team that came out mm-hmm. and I, it hit me weird. Cause we were like, had sleepovers, but he like never made a move on me. Uh-huh. Like I would have came out earlier if there was a cute guy that I was like with, you know, I just yeah, like, you're like, why, why, why kinda, bother now? It's like, not going to, I'm not going to open up the can of worms unless I'm getting something, you know, like this is not happening. No yeah. sleepovers. I've never had that fantasy, whatever. But when he came out, it shocked me. Cause like, I didn't know he was, he didn't give out that vibe. And then when he did, I was just like, 
am I not cute? You know, like or whatever. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Um, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so that, that whole happened. So like, he was just kind of hurt because he thought I came out earlier and just didn't tell him. Isn't that, isn't that amazing though? Because yeah. like, there's a lot of things that we can think about our family that they're going to feel this way or that way about certain things. And really, right. it's not the case. And oftentimes, and that's not to say that it's not true, obviously, for some people, but we can make um, such a crazy, scary thing into something that is it doesn't need to be. Definitely. And then when my sister found out, she was she was like four or five at the time. She's now 16. She was like playing some games or something. And I had a guy, I had a boyfriend at the time. Uh, their name was Luca and they were over like every day. Did he, he didn't live on the second floor, did he? No, 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 no. no. This was like when I was home for a summer vacation. Oh, no, college. sorry. That was just a, a bad, uh, <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> I get you now. Um, and then my sister would just like... Um, mommy and she goes what and she's like why doesn't stevie have a girlfriend and my mom goes oh shit so she like pauses whatever my sister's watching she sits down she's like okay katie you know uh, um you know how some girls like boys and boys like girls and she goes yeah and she's like well sometimes boys like boys and girls like girls and that's okay too and you know you know luca and she goes yeah and she goes well that's steven's boyfriend and she goes oh okay and then my sister starts to cry my mom goes, baby, what's wrong? She goes, does this mean I won't be an aunt? <laughs> I just think it's so precious. And my sister's biggest worry is that she would be like an aunt or like, yeah. know that I, because she knew how much I want. I, I do want a family. That's not yeah. like a lot of things that people want. Like I do want a golden retriever and a house yeah. and a fam. Like I want to be driving kids to soccer practice and be that <laughs> PTA mom drag queen. I'm ready to be that life. Yeah. But that's kind of like, I don't know, my coming out story. Um, the first time you were in uh, drags, you mentioned, but what was the first performance that you did? What kind of music? Also, let's go back to music. <laughs> what kind of music were you listening to growing up? Do you remember the first thing that really struck your fancy and sort of uh, did it for you? Um, it's a couple different things. Uh, I didn't ever listen to Britney or NSYNC or any of that. Like, I was not my tea, but the 18s for some reason was oh. what I was feeling. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why. So I was like listening to 18s, but like somehow I was playing Twisted Metal. I'm a huge gamer. I was playing Twisted Metal and Rob Zombie came on. Oh, like yeah. The song specifically Dragula, uh, like <laughs> kind of awkward, like awkwardly and like my whole life is kind of making sense. Yeah. But Dragula came on. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I bought Hillbilly Deluxe's mm -hmm. album and I kept that on fucking repeat. Like everything about that album is just so fucking amazing. Did you ever see um, Zombie or White Zombie Live? I have not seen Zombie Live. I'm so mad. I was going to see one night and then he canceled something for the gig and I was like pissed. But I went to a lot of rock shows growing up. I would go to like uh, Bring Me the Horizon, Four Years Strong. I went to Warped Tour every year. Like I was very much like a scene kid. Yeah. Because you could wear like fun colored t-shirts but not be called a fan. Like, <laughs> right. You know? Sure, right. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be called gay. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, this is fine. Yeah, it's cool. No, it's I'm a cool skater. Have, like, straight, yeah. It's cool to have straightened hair. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, <laughs> And also, like, in the mosh pits, it would just be, like, college guys without their shirts on, just being sweaty, and their armpits would be in my face. And I'm like, this is great. Like, I can live my truth, kind of, in this, <laughs> in this weird world. Um, so that's kind of the music I would listen to. Uh, the first drag performance I ever did actually was, uh, it was a charity show. It was at SCAD. Uh, the show was called Tucked. And it was for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. And we had to do a Broadway number and a regular number. Yeah. So I was not, I'm not really much of a Broadway ghoul. Like that's just not my fantasy. I like some Broadway musicals. I just find it awkward to be like, I'm talking about this and now I'm going to sing like that. whole. I like it when it's a seamless transition <laughs> sure. instead of just being like, all of a sudden I'm busting out the song about cornflakes for no fucking reason. <laughs> like <laughs> I like, I, 
I like some kind of like cool segue. Like I like a little bit of a segue. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. down for it. I love musicals. I just need a segue. So I did Good Morning Baltimore, but instead of it about being about, you know, Baltimore, I knew that um what's his name? Colby Keller was from Baltimore. Oh, okay. Yeah. The porn star. Oh, okay. So this is before he was problematic, so I was fine. Um, <laughs> so I had a huge cardboard pot- cutout of Colby Keller and I <laughs> said Baltimore and the, and I just made it about Colby Keller. It was really stupid and dumb. But the first song I did after that was Buttons by Pussycat Dolls. And I was basically wearing a bathing suit and that was it. Uh, yeah. No body whatsoever. Um, meaty tuck and all. <laughs> Uh, porridge lace and brows it was great you know like i had fun and i tell people that like they're nervous about doing the drag for the first time i'm like do songs that you get off to in the shower because the audience is going to be with you with not like even if it's a song you think four people will know they don't have to know the song and you'll be shocked those four people are going to be in the audience being like i fucking know every word and i'm right there with you because that's what drag's about is having fun so if you're like nervous about performing for the first time just pick a song that you know that you could do by heart, that you love lipstick. When it comes on when you're in the shower, you get your full fantasy. That's what you need. I think it's so important too because a lot of times people get hung up on the expectations that they think are out there. But really, if you present something that is so part part of you and that you so love, people respond to that. They don't have to know the song. They don't have to know the song. If it does it for you, it'll do it for someone else. Like one night for You've Got Mail, which was a party at Precinct done by Jeremy Lucido, I, I was like, fuck it. I'm doing Real Big Fish's cover of Kiss Me Deadly by Lita Ford. Nice, yeah. And I was like, no one's going to know this shit. And then after the show, I had like 20 people coming to me like, I love that cover of that song. Thank you for doing it. And it's just like, seriously, do whatever makes you happy, period. And then how long is it till you move to California? Was it straight from uh, Georgia or no? It was from Atlanta. Um, yeah. I got the call to work on... I got the call to be on Blade Brothers Dragula. Right. I, my roommate Megan was with me at the time. Like we've been roommates for a while. Oh, so that's right. That's right. You, Megan's also from there, right? Yeah. 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 And she lived in California, but then she moved back with her fam and that's how we became friends. And then we started becoming roommates. And then she all of a sudden was like, all right, I need to be able to buy weed at a store. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm tired of like going to this, like, I just want to move to California. I think yeah. that's like where I need to be. And I was like, I don't know. Cause like if you're a performer and you have like, you worked your way up in a scene. It takes years to kind of get that booking regularly. Like it's right. really hard as a new drag performer. That grind is really hard, especially in a city like Atlanta. And I only could imagine what LA is like, you know, especially if you haven't been on a platform, it's very intimidating. and It's very hard. Yeah. So when I got, um, so we went out for drag con actually three years ago and I competed in the Boulay brothers Dragula pageant at season one just aired I ended up winning that pageant. So it kind of it put me on their radar, but I'd have to put in an audition tape. And when I put on the audition tape, I got cast. And when I got cast, I was like, okay, uh, whatever happens, even if I go home first, we're moving to California. So I basically threw out whatever didn't fit in my car and we drove across country. What kind of car was it, by the way? <laughs> a Volkswagen. A small a Volkswagen one? Jetta. Oh, yeah. Volkswagen I, Jetta. I used to have a Jetta. Yeah. They're great until you have to drive somewhere where there's actual hills. And then yeah. you're like, oh my God, there is no pickup in this thing. Nope, not at all. She struggles <laughs> all the way up. But you know what? You love her because her sound system's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we drove across country. Uh, and yeah, then that's when I moved to California, which is weird because we were like, during filming, like I wasn't working. So when I got yeah. off of working, I was like homeless. <laughs> so <laughs> I was very fortunate that Neatball and Felony Dodger at the time let us into their house that they were living. They lived in like a cool like warehouse part of um, Skid Row. Oh, okay. Enough. They had like a huge warehouse above Skid Row. Yeah. 
and they were like had a couple of rooms available. So like we lived in there and sleeping on the couch and shit. Um, but I'm very, very grateful for that because I would not have a place to live if it wasn't for them. So it's lovely also to point out that the LA drag community is a little bit more supportive than maybe people might think. Yeah, they are. There, there are some supportive ones for sure. Sure. Yes. Well, you know, there's always the turds in every punch bowl, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, it's just like drag is like a weird. Like when you become a drag performer, it's like, especially in a city like the South, like Atlanta, it's weird because it's like a fraternity, but also sorority all of all into one. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It they beat you down, but you leave becoming like the most fiercest thing on the planet. So if you're if you're there and able to take it, you can become the most fiercest thing on the planet. Now, what about that? The uh, beating down, as you called it, isn't that also a way for the elders or the more experienced members of the community to teach the younger or more inexperienced folks? It is, but their tone can be better. You know what I okay, mean? Like sure. sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes they read you and they're like, I don't understand why they read. Like, especially if you're new and they're just like, oh, bitch, your fucking hair. Da, 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 da. Oh, bitch. Why aren't you sucking it in? You need to get a waist center. Da, da, da. Yeah. Oh, bitch. X, Y, and Z. And what you realize is like, you think they're bullying, but over time you're like, I'm taking everything with a grain of salt because they wouldn't be wasting their breath on me if they didn't see something. In me. They won't sit you down and tell you that, you know, unless you're in a competition and you're asking for it each and every week, which I did those too. But it's kind of one of those things. And if you do take those notes and, you know, like for instance, I wasn't interested in being pretty. Like I wasn't interested in being like the most passable girl who could walk through a mall. Like yeah. that's not what my gig was. But over time, I was being pressured to do that. So finally, I was like, fuck it. If you want me to be that, I will be able to do it. Yeah. And I'm grateful that it pushed me to that because now I can only do, I made me a more versatile performer. I can mm -hmm. give you whatever the fuck you need. I can look at a lineup when I'm booked and realize there's like seven pretty girls. Obviously, I'm going to bring up my Dragula side. Yeah. Or if it's like the opposite and I'm like booked because I'm booked and touring as Dragula, I will give you something more on the, you know, I'll still be punk rock and different, but I'm going to give you more on the softer side because sure. the lineup has seven ghouls. And that's like... What a real good purpose of what I'm doing the show for, the digital drag show, is because it's open to all styles of drag and it's versatile. Because I think the most versatile show is the best show. When you yeah. see seven girls that are cis doing Dua La Peep, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. And like, true. I mean, like, oh, it's lovely. But like, when you have that one girl who does the good Dua La Peep song, do that. And then you have the girl coming out and doing Rob Zombie, do that. And it makes like, everything fucking better yeah, it's like it, it keeps you on the edge of the sheet as an audience you're like i don't know what's to come next so i'm not going to get my refill on my drink right now yeah and also all yeah. the different flavors make for a far more satisfying meal in the right end. and yeah. you'll leave and talking about the show and it helps the show grow and stuff like that when you have a show that's predictable i think th that's what my least favorite part about drag is predictable shit what do you find the most unfortunate predictable thing that people fall into when doing drag i think it's when they're afraid to step out of their comfort zone you know, if they know they can do this face really well, but they won't try it otherwise. And like, you know, they kind of get inspired around Halloween to do something different because it's like not pressured to. Yeah. But I really think it makes a better performer if you have a lot of tricks in your bag. Like, you, I think you need to have a character illusion. I think you need to have a celebrity impersonation. I think you need to have a really good spooky number that you have that you know you feel confident about, that you're inspired by. Don't do Corella DeVille because you see Corella DeVille being done. Do your favorite villain that you've ever seen before and make it come to life. You're going to have more fun bringing that to the stage. I think it's really good to have, like, a really polished, like, number, like, where you look like everything about you is you know, polish, like there's no rips in your tights or something like that. Because when you get eventually get on a platform like Drag Race or, Ru or like, you know, Dragula, like you're going to have this kit that's going to take you further through the competition. Because yeah. nine times out of 10, you're going to go home early if you're not able to change. 
Right. That's true. Know? Yeah. And also the the larger your toolkit is, the better you're you are in any situation. Yeah. Even the stuff like, that doesn't if you get seem... called up on a Wednesday, like for instance, my last pre-COVID show. Yeah. Alaska hits me up on Monday. Her show's on Wednesday. It's for the Trixie Chicks. And it was a like, you know, country theme night. And she's like, do you have a country number? I was like, you bet your ass I do. You know what I mean? Like, you never know who's going to call you up two days before or the day of the show asking if you have something in your repertoire. And if you already have it, you just dust her off, pull her out, pack your shit and you go to the gig and do it. You know, and that's what like that's if you're in it for the long haul and you really want to be a part of this industry. I can't stress that enough. Versatility will get you so far. I think also the willingness to jump at an opportunity and then figure out the technical stuff later. For instance, like you said, with Digital Drag Show, because, uh, you know, people could in that situation say, well, I do want to do it, but I want to make sure everything's just right. And just like you said, with doing first drags, really, the best thing to do with anything is to just Just do it. Jump in. Yeah. And you know what? It might be a mess. That's what makes a good drag. Yes. Like a drag show is live. Your lash might fall off. Your tuck might come out. Like, but that's like drag. And how you recover from that is what the audience lives about it. You know what I mean? Like we could have a technical difficulty, but I can pot roast myself for 30 (laughs) minutes after about how that technical difficulty. Like if you beat people to the punch, you can do anything. Yeah, exactly. And also just acknowledging that stuff and being transparent. Yeah. Like they're, they're there with you. Yeah. They're, they're stuck in COVID with you. They want to have a good time. They're just lucky something's on their screen yeah. that isn't about some like end of the world shit. For instance, like the very first show, I got a hit up by KTLA like live at five and they wanted me to be on the five o'clock news. I ended up being at the end of the hour because we couldn't figure out like technical stuff. Yeah. I was stressing because I had like an hour to change and get my <laughs> shit ready. My co- Megan's sitting here panicking because we have to finish up setting up everything for the show. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, you're on. And they're like, we're going to do one little segment before you and then after you is the mayor. <laughs> so before my segment, I was going to be on earlier, but before my segment is like, DTLA closed down, airports shut down, nothing, the pandemic is here. It was like the most negative fucking end of the world shit. Hospitals like, overflowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like super serious. And I understand that. And then it's like, and now we go to bitch pudding, do the digital drag show. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Hi, everybody. I just want to give everyone a hug. And uh, <laughs> puppies are still being born. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Hi, Craig. This is Gabby Dunn of the Just Between Us podcast and the Bad With Money podcast. A longtime fan of your podcast. Um, first time caller. Have been a guest before. So um, I guess, you know, as one podcaster to another, I... I have to ask, are you gay? Because I am, and I just feel like maybe there's not enough room for two of us on the scene. So just like let me know if you're gay um, so I can um, try to kick you out of the space uh, so I can uh, be the one who rules the ball. Thank you so much. Love the show. Uh, Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk a little bit again about digital drag show. I'm sure everyone listening to this is familiar with it, but say there is someone who isn't. Uh, where can people find it, and what's the situation with the donations? 
Yeah, sure. Okay, so the Digital Drag Show. Hi, everyone. Bitch Pudding here, and I started the verse ever Digital Drag Show on Twitch. Uh, you can tune in. We have each and every week about 25 entertainers from all over the globe. Um, and during the show, their PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App is up on their page. So, like, if their performer is performing, let's say Alaska, her personal Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal information is below while they're performing, so you can tip her directly. Uh, we do also have a $10 minimum uh, suggested donation, yeah. do what you can, um, that we pull together and we did evenly up through all talent. Um, and if you guys are interested in being a part of the show in any capacity, we also have a commercial break during the show where like, you know, if you're a queer business, or if you're a podcast, if you are a TikToker, whatever the hell you are, and you want to just promote what you're doing, um, you can submit a, um, a commercial and oh, good you to know. be a part of the show. Yeah, if you want to be a part of the show and be a part of the future of drag or be involved in any capacity whatsoever, just go to digitaldrag.net. That's great. And I'd like to take this opportunity to mention everyone, patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Yes, that is where you can join the wonderful and fabulous Hot Dog Club and be a part of the community that supports the series you are listening to right now. And there are new reward tiers up as we speak. So in addition to... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Slide on into the Thunder Buns of Hot Dog Club. So there's new tiers on that. There's more information coming about that. So that's wonderful uh, news about the thing, and I'm happy that it's every week as well, because I think it gives people something to look forward to, the digital drag show. Yeah, we average about 40K viewers each week, and there's yeah. a live chat on Twitch. And for those who are not familiar with Twitch, uh, you can watch the show at twitch.tv slash bitchpudding, B-I-Q-T-C-H-P-U-D-D-I-N. Don't think I messaged that before, but uh, the show is a free to watch. We yeah. don't have to give us anything at all. And if you can't give everything, like, trust me, I know, like, rent is due and sure. we're COVID. Like we don't know what's happening. All we ask you to do is um, share the link then and invite your friends to come watch. They might have a dollar to give or whatever. Um, yeah, and we're open to all styles of drag. We have trans, non-binary, AFAB, fire breathers, burlesque entertainers. As long as you're part of the LGBT spectrum, you can be a part of the digital drag show. Um, yeah, we've had like former Continentals, Sasha Colby, you know, we've had Alaska, Land Insider, and Vander are on the cast each and every week. Yeah. We're just open to all kinds of styles of drag, which I think is really important. And I think yeah. it's the more diverse to show because like, you know, a lot of platforms like to focus on one very narrow segment of sure. the community, sure. but we're all affected by this, you know, and Absolutely. that's why I started the show is to help people. And so far, every performer afterwards has always been really grateful about whatever they receive. I don't know the, what each person receives, like, because that's the, the money is sent directly to them. We don't take any cut based on, you know, like the tips they get. Sure, number. sure. But the pooling, you know, we are able to give them additional amount of money. And that's like just seriously evenly distributed throughout all talent. And that must be really fulfilling personally as well. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Like there is this one performer and we're actually having him on this Friday named Buck Soliday. And the very first show, this is like uh, he posted a story with his friend. I, I hope you know, bitch putting how important this is to me. I, that moment where you have to drive an hour into town to bum Starbucks's Wi-Fi to watch the show. Oh, wow. And yeah. they're in their car on their phone watching the show. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck. And, you know, it's just like so many people are like getting dressed up and putting makeup on, which, you know, they are not doing throughout the week just to watch the show like you would for a drag show, you know, and it's just like been really rewarding just to be providing entertainment for each and every week and also been really rewarding to watch you know major staples that have been producing shows way before us just like uh you know drag matinee uh princess and goddess have all jumped to twitch to do the show and if you guys are interested if you're a promoter and if you do a brunch twitch is a great platform also instagram live has been great and the best part about twitch is like with our show, we try to make it as live as possible. So like a lot of them don't have live performances. We have a mix between live and pre-recorded, which is fun. 
Um, my hosting is live. So like anything goes wrong, that's seriously, you're watching it. Yeah. And it's super fun <laughs> and it becomes memeable content. Yeah. But also there's a live chat where you right. can hop in and you can like, oh, bitch, yes, God. Like you can like hop in there and it's just it's as close as you can get to a real live drag show, which is really exciting. It's also something that I think we'll be able to take into the era after this era, you know? Oh, definitely. A nice mix of that and real life. Oh, definitely. I am is like I'm keeping the show weekly until COVID is over. <laughs> as soon as COVID is over and bars are able to do what they do, I want everyone to go out and support them. Number one thing. Like yeah. I think we need to support all queer businesses once this is over. Um, and then after that, I'm thinking I'm gonna be moving uh, Digital Drag to a monthly show. Mm-hmm. And I'm really stoked to have like, you know, a live audience and figure that out and like flush it out. So it's like as like cool as you can get of documenting a lot li- documenting a live show. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited about once this is over. I hope, it over, I hope it's over sooner than later. <laughs> right. Um, and also, you know, you're creating a great archive. Honestly, a historical archive. Yeah. Which is really surreal. Like, see, uh, it's so crazy. Like, I don't have time to process half the shit. It's just like, <laughs> all right, that was 25. Now I got to know about the next 25. And it's just constantly. And uh, people are just curious, like, where we pull the entertainment from. I seriously pulled all the entertainers from those who have applied. So if you are interested in being a part of it, don't. it doesn't matter. We've had people do their very first drag performance on our show. That's great. And we've also had some of the top entertainment in the industry. So if you guys are interested, please go to digitaldrag.net and you can be a part of the future of drag. That's great. And it's also a nice little reminder about the queer community that it doesn't yeah. matter if you're well-versed or new or whatever, like you're a part talent of is talent. Yeah. If you uh, yeah. like, we have a segment about like what you want to do with your number. And if I don't know who you are and you fill that out, like we've had several entertainers, like fill this out, like amazing. Someone like one of the, I forget their name, but we had them on a couple weeks ago. And they wanted to do Sid from fucking Toy Story. Okay. And he was like destroying toys on camera. And he was like blowtorching them and like throwing them. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that's awesome. But yeah. like, also, just because I won Dragula doesn't mean I'm looking for all punk rock numbers. Like, for instance, we were having an entertainer back this week called Mulan Alexander, trans woman, so fierce. Her, num- her first number, she's like, oh, I think I'm just going to do it in my garage. She did it live. She took us on our tour of her whole house. It was a five minute mega mix. She's also did like seven costume changes and just turned it the fuck out. My, I wish I recorded my reaction because I was just screaming the entire time. I'm seriously like, if you guys put in your description of what do you want to do, fill that out to the T. Don't just be like, I'm going to do a cat mix. Like, tell me what that is so yeah. I can book you, you know? And also make sure when I go to your Instagram, it's not just eight pictures of your cat. It's just like, this is pictures of me in drag, you know, like sure. that's your kind of your resume. If I'm looking to cast people and that's like a good note to take them to the future. If you are interested in being a performer and you hit up a promoter and you go to your Instagram and it's just like eight pictures of you as a dude, I'm not sure if you're serious about your craft or not, you know, about the diverse platforms. Let's get, let's go back again to when you went on Dragula, of course, you're the winner of season two and uh, I won. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd love to know a little bit about what it was like getting into that whole thing. Um, it was a dream come true, obviously. Sure. Uh, I love the Boulay brothers. They changed my life forever. But when I watched season one, oddly enough, I was in the other show dressing room with Eva Destruction and Abora. And we would all, each week talk about like, oh, did you see what Vander did? Why did Pinchay go home go so early? Oh, Meatball's so dope. And basically, I was super inspired by that show because I saw like, you know, at that point, Drag Race has this formula and it works. But like at that point, I saw like, seriously, like, eight, nine, 10 queer people 
being uninhibitedly, uninhibitedly able to be themselves. Yeah. It looks raw, even though it was like the footage was kind of crazy. It looked a little jank. I was just like, no, this is like some stank on it. I like some stank. I like <laughs> yeah. some musk on a man. Yeah. Like I just, that's kind of my vibe. <laughs> and I was like, I just loved it. And then when I went and competed in the pageant, I was like, okay, this is good. Like this is definitely mine. But when I auditioned, cause I had auditioned for Drag Race before, but when I auditioned for Dracula, I, it felt so natural yeah. and so right. Like everything I did was like, oh, this is it. This, this just makes sense. Like all the lights were lit up, you know? Yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I got to the show and uh, <laughs> the first two episodes, I ate shit. Uh, I was not being myself. I felt like I had to be something else indifferently entirely. And then I kind of reminded myself back to season one yeah. where I, I, I saw the show and I wanted to be a part of the show. But I didn't see bitch in there. Oh, you know, okay. the yeah. whole everyone else was being super dark, super crazy. I got like fangs on. I'm like, okay, I like that, but that's not my drag at its core, yeah. you know. And then I saw Loris when she got killed and mm-hmm. she looked like an 80s prostitute, like a 90s prostitute, like a call girl. Yeah. And I saw that and I was like, oh, if they like that, <laughs> they, they'll love bitch pudding. Okay. They'll love yeah. bitch pudding. Yeah. yeah. So I like when I was in that whole thing, I was like seriously in my head because I was intimidated. Like Victoria Elizabeth Black is from Orlando and makes everything. She went viral with a couple of performances. James Majesty has the biggest mouth on the planet and she's a really fierce drag queen. Um, Dali, who I used to go see them in Warp Tour. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. like he was a part of like, like a band that was really famous. And I go to see, go see him at Warp Tour and he's like super famous. I was like, what the fuck? And then like Abora, who like, is my other show sister. We were going through our own tip at the time. It was just like really intimidating, but I finally buckled down and I started doing like, okay, I don't want to go. I don't mind going home. I don't mind like losing. I yeah. just want to be able to show like, this is what I love doing and I yeah. want to get gigs off of it. So at that point, like episode three, I started to remind myself to have fun. And that's when I started winning. There you go. And that's when I started like making everybody guess what I was going to be doing. And I seriously just like listened to, Instead of fitting what I felt Dragula was, I was just being myself. And that's what I think Dragula is about. It's not necessarily like what makes a person Dragula is not necessarily, you know, being the most monster. It's being that fucking guttural energy that you have each and like each and everyone else has like this like animalistic quality inside us that makes us who, are, who we are. Yeah. I think if you channel that and just exemplify that, that's like what helped me win the competition. It wasn't because I was trying to be the most evil bitch. It was seriously because, like, I am that bitch, you know. <laughs> right, right. And you were bringing out your, your bringing out your your true interest and personality. And I think that that's right. true in any of the competitions, whether it's Dragula or Drag Race. We've seen that time and time again, where the whole producing yourself thing is really a, a big trap. Right, it is. It's like you get fallen into it, and it's just like you no, know, like you are. If you're that fierce, your actions will speak for you. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started like my runways speak for themselves. Like that moment episode four i did a alien waitress look which was inspired by a gucci ad where like they did like aliens in space and it's like very 50s and all that shit it was a sci-fi challenge and as soon as i put the wig on i was like no one in there and none of those bitches back in atlanta who played <laughs> me each and every week could never say shit to me because they, i followed each and every rule that they ever gave me yeah i'm polished as fuck this look is iconic i feel confident and i was like no one else can ever say anything bad about my drag again i didn't even win that week but like the confidence that gave me was like i seriously i'll never feel more confident in drag i don't know what about it i think it was just like i had everything i did it to the t it was outside of my comfort zone i never thought bitch pudding would be a 50s waitress but like who doesn't want to be a waffle house waitress on her 48th hour of working with like shitty eyeliner and smoking <laughs> cigarettes i mean like what the fuck you want and then with the 50s space twist like that sounds fun you yeah, know like exactly i started having fun with the challenges and that's what helped me Oh, that's great. Now, the name Bitch Puddin', when did you first start using it and what inspired the name? 
So I take names seriously. Like I, when you start an RPG, I think now you can change their names, but like when you start an RPG in a video game, like you make your name and regardless if you spelled your shit wrong or if you thought the character, <laughs> if you were playing a Japanese RPG and you thought the character was a boy, but it's actually a girl and you mm-hmm. named it like, you don't get to be able to go back and change it gotcha. at all. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I have to sit down. If this is the name, I'm going to sit down and make a name. And I like, I have flashing back to that charity show. Everyone wanted to be something pretty, Giselle, Monica or whatever. And I was like, I want to be the girl who got fucked by lacrosse team yeah. and showed up to work. And I remembered this skit from Robot Chicken and by Seth Green. Uh, and it was Strawberry Shortcake's ratchet ass neighbor. And she busses in and cusses out her sister, Apple Dumpling, because she's like, Apple Dumpling needs a name. And Bitch Pudding comes in. And she's like, your motherfucking beep face, fucking beep face, fuck you, beep face. And she like cusses out a toddler and then yeah. leaves. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Bitch Pudding is the name for sure. Gotcha. Um, and ever since then, that's what it is. And fun fact, I ended up working for Cartoon Network like two years later. Oh, cool. Like part of their internship program. Yeah. And I thought I was going to get a cease and desist because I was like, they knew I was a drag queen. They knew I had that name. <laughs> and then eventually I had a meeting with one of the people that worked on Adult Swim. And they're like, oh, no, we know who you are. We think you're cool. That's so right. yeah. I was like, all right, dope. Uh, the reason there's a Q in it, though, because yeah. people are like, why is a Q in there? Well, uh, when I went to Facebook and Instagram to make the handles, they were reporting bitch, like regular bitch. Oh, uh, OK. Like, yeah. When you type in bitch, like that's hard to be the thing that types in. So being a marketing person, I was like, oh, like I could either change the name to Beach Puddin because I'm from Virginia Beach. Sure. Or I could, I thought it was always stupid to have a Q in there because I think it's the most dumbest thing. A Q is silent. Like it's the weirdest letter in the fucking alphabet. No one uses it. And I was like, oh, why not? B-I-Q-T-C-H. And um, what's well, memorable though. What, you know? Yeah. And that's why people like voted on in Facebook because I gave the people choice between beach or bitch with a Q. And uh, yeah, if you type in BIQ, I'm usually the first thing that pipes up. But oddly, sometimes it's Bianca Del Rio, and I don't know why. But, like, work bitch. <laughs> like Bianca is BIQ for sure, definitely. <laughs> and so uh, after Dragula, then you toured, right? Yeah, uh, I had the. I was like like two weeks, or I think a month later, I was at Sasha Valor's nightgowns. Yeah, and I did a very iconic janitor number, uh, which I feel. Very, I almost made her vomit. I like <laughs> it was. It was such a weird show because I was like casted with uh, Limp Sinka like creme fatale and like of course like it's like Sasha Vlores nightgowns it's like the most prestigious show but I was like yeah. I kind of take everything as an audition because I always want to be asked back I was like okay if everyone's gonna be pretty I want to be the most rotted shit that's like <laughs> ever been there and I almost made her vomit I got this close oh I'm that's like, great yeah I almost got there it was so good um that, by yeah, the way I just to say there. marketing wise it's a very sensible thing too because you know if there, you look for the white space you yeah, know, that's there and fill that up, you know, and especially and if, if, yeah, if you have the versatility, it's even better. What were we going to yeah, say? Because that way, if like, you know, they're like, oh, bitch really did that really fun thing. I'll bring her back for that. You know, it doesn't have to be because, you know, when you win Dragula, that's what you represent and you want to make sure you represent that. But it's also like you can do that, but also fill other holes that, you know, people might be able to fill you in with. And filling cool. a hole is always a good thing. I love my holes. <laughs> Such a good feeling. I forgot what if I'm, we're all virgins when this is over. I know. It's gonna and be- for those of you motherfuckers <laughs> who are on OnlyFans and making content, acting slick, like you've had that in your phone for months, you are a liar. And I think that's bullshit. You need to be fucking in, staying at home and not hooking up with people. Yeah. It's time for solo videos, folks. If that's what yeah, you're going to be doing. It's like, yeah. yeah, come on. We're all suffering. Doesn't mean that you can get away with it in Diva. Um, but yeah, I got to tour. Uh, I did the first Dragula tour in the UK. Uh, I was the first Dragula person in Drag, Drag, Dragula World. It was super fun. Or Drag World. 
damn it. There's so many things. There's a lot of things. There's a lot <laughs> so of things like, and stuff. I, yeah. I've toured a lot in the UK, which has been really great. I'm coming back in September, hopefully, to Drag Fest. I hope that is still happening. Um, oddly enough, I did a Pete Burns look on the show, and I think that's why most of my bitch stands are in the UK. I don't know why. I love it. UK and Ireland has like maybe because this is where punk originated and they just really like the filthy side of sure. things. I don't I'm not explaining it because I, I like uncut dick. I really like you can have many charms. A, yes. Oh my God. It, it's amazing. I've had a lot of fun over there. And um, as have I, as have I, by yeah, the way, it's a good time. <laughs> Scotland is amazing. I made out with a dude to the kilt and it nice. like, Oh, I snagged him in the bath. It was great. Anyway, I <laughs> so wait, was he wearing it the proper way? Which of course is with uh-huh. no other things. He was. There you go. He, I was curious because like all I wanted to do before I left Scotland, especially this last time, was like make out a guy with a kilt. And then he was also a ginger with a beard. And I was like, there's a lot of things aligning right now. I think I deserve this. Yeah, you so can't thanks. not take advantage of that opportunity. It would just oh, be a was, sin. A sin. Yeah. Good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, because remember we were good. talking about how much we enjoy England uh, when we were chatting in December because I was about to head over there for Tricon uh, UK. And I'm looking forward to it. one day getting back to London. I do love it. It's like a second home, I feel. Yeah, it's odd. like, I don't know. The people there are just down. Yeah. The boys there don't care if you're more feminine. They like kind of embrace that and mm-hmm. they don't think it's weird. I don't know. There's just like so much shit about, I love LA professionally. Dating here is the worst. It's the worst place on the planet for me I've ever experienced. Um, yeah, I just like everyone here is so like worried about their body. I think everyone's fake. Everyone's trying to get, I don't know. It's just like, it's, I'm a real person. So it's like kind of odd being in LA, being a real person. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I'm a golden retriever. I'll go up to anybody and just start sniffing their ass and just being like, hello. Yeah. Everyone's um, <laughs> probably fun is what I always think. Like, Hey, let's chat with them. They look, maybe they're fun. Then you find out maybe yeah. they're not. Now I wonder about that too, because I always wonder if LA is intrinsically uh, full of people who maybe are fake or have this thing to them. Or is it just because it's where we live and so therefore people are like that all over the world? Do you know what I mean? Like, I always wonder about that. It's weird because in Atlanta, it's just most of this mostly like friends wise. I don't know. I got a really sound piece of advice when I moved to LA and it was by my good friend Danica who runs a Twitch channel. She's a huge YouTuber um, and she's a fellow SCAD alumni. Uh, and she was like, okay, you got to find your fellow mutants. Okay. Everyone you meet is not going to be like what you think they are. Right. But you, those seven people that you do that are part of your team X-Men and are fellow mutants and get you for who you are, you'll realize that that's the reason to stay. Yes. And I, that was like month two living here. And I was like, as soon as drag is over, I got to get the fuck out. Like I'm not vibing well with here at all. And then yeah. slowly but surely with time, it's like, no, you do find those people that really stick out that are really great and treat you really nice. And it's been really great living in LA, but dating has yeah. been shit. <laughs> now, I want to ask you about that because with the friend group thing, I agree with you. And uh, my friend Jason had told me, you know, the first year and someone else did as well. The yeah. first year in LA is really difficult because it's such a, an adjustment. And I thought, well, okay, but isn't it like that true of anywhere? But then when I got here, I realized, oh, it really is different. And if you do move to different. LA, when you can move to LA, folks out there listening or visit here again, uh, yeah. a key thing to it really is if you know someone, if you don't, of course, it doesn't mean you can't move here or you won't make your way, but having at least one person that you know is so important because it can be isolating here. It can. You just have to have that one good Judy and that good Judy is not going to be there for you all the time. And don't like, expect you know, it like, to be, by the way, that's the other no, thing. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Because like people are not flaky here. It's just like, it's a really spread out city and our public transit is shit. And also our traffic is the worst. So like scheduling a date, they'll probably cancel the first four or five times. 
And that's just it. You know, you just got to roll with the punches, dude. Um, and some of that, too, is also because mostly people that move here, particularly, uh, you know, are, if you want to say your mutants, your tribe, whatever it is, yeah. we've moved here because of wanting to uh, pursue careers. And that's not a bad right. thing. And it doesn't mean that we're or anyone in that group is doing things that are anti other people because of that. But what it means is that a lot of us have a primary focus. So sometimes it means we're traveling. Sometimes it means that we got to like hunker down and edit for four days in a row and have to yeah, push things. you got to get it done yeah, yeah i'm sorry like i can't hook up with you right now this video <laughs> needs to be done like you know it, it happens like it's just it's how it like is you move here for your career your career is obviously first that's know? right and that's fine and personally i think that's how it should be i think that all of us as individuals need to pursue whatever it is that fulfills us so whether it's career or whatever it is right. uh that should take dominance because as wonderful as relationships or dating or friends are and of course i value that so tremendously you know but uh you have to make sure that you are living your most complete and fulfilled life first and or otherwise you won't be able to have a a, a contented uh, fulfilling relationship with anyone absolutely definitely couldn't agree with you more so what what was dating like or before the covid thing not, not i didn't mean <laughs> I, I didn't mean to make it sound like what was co- co- dating like back when it what's happened what's it like making out with boys um what's the movie is it running with scissors i know of it i haven't seen it though okay there's this scene where the guy I wish someone told me this is what gay is like. And it probably won't be like this after my generation because uh-huh. I feel like my generation is a weird transfer. Like, I'm blessed to live where I am, where I'm able to hold a hand with a guy that I love yeah. and walk down the street. Like, I am not complaining whatsoever. But I feel like my generation was the last generation to not have any kind of example in media of like a successful queer relationship. Sure. Like, now you have modern family, you have whatever, you have like, you know, you know, Patrick Harris is out. Here's his family and people magazine. Ellen's on fucking TV. You have like, you know, Ellen's out on TV and being celebrated and being a person in the community. Like, you know, you have all these examples in media about queer people and living their lives and being who they are. Uh, For me, all I had was like, him from the Powerpuff Girls lifting his boot out of the bathtub being like, yeah. yes, girls. Like, and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm vibing with it. And I'm also scared. You <laughs> right, know, like, right. So, I feel like this whole generation thing is like the last time. Like, I feel like I just don't think people are concerned about dating. It's a very like hookup culture, which is cool. Um, but coming from a family who's like been raised and like, I, I do want a family. Right. Like that's not right. something. I, and then also a fucking drag queen. So like, and I have a huge personality. I have a lot of stuff I bring to the table. Okay. So like, I'm not saying I need to marry you when I first meet you, but also I'm not going to like, waste my time on some whack-ass dude who's trying to you know do whatever so wait so Um, to that point so have you been uh, a hookup person or is that not your thing or do you mix and match that with the pursuing uh, relationship it's hard because you know my schedule is crazy and like you know i i think what i used to hook up with and i think a lot of queer men do is like the band-aid instead of the actual healing the wound that you're trying to fill sure with a relationship um so i do hook up but not like super crazy i feel like i'm an average queer guy which living in la you know we all hook up like, yeah it's just yeah. the case um <laughs> never look at a gay's phone i mean you're gonna see a lot of nudes there, sweetheart. <laughs> um and you know it's been cool like but in la the hookup here is so weird you can like talk to a guy on an app and like message each other and you guys match and you're into each other and you message like, Oh cool. What are you into? And you're like getting hot and heavy with a conversation. You're like, great. Here's my address. He's like, here's my address. And like, great. Do you want me to shower or you a musk? Like, what do you want to do? Like I'm down for whatever. And then they go, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm only free Mondays from three to five every fourth Monday of the month. 
kind of and I'm like, it, yeah. what, like, what part of the conversation did that happen? <laughs> Mr. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. And I find that annoying because in Atlanta, like, regardless if you're like, who the fuck, like, they would just be down. Right, right. And if I'm in another city, they're just down. I get mad about the fact that it's like, I need to schedule four months in advance. And if I do, it just doesn't happen. And that's what I get frustrated about. That is annoying to put in sort of the groundwork, really. It's like if you're going right. to, if you want to have FaceTime sex with someone or Skype, I don't want to be uh, discriminatory against other platforms, <laughs> but uh, really, you should really be sort of ready to go uh, when, right. you, and then when you message or say, hey, like maybe in a couple days, maybe let me know when it's kind of good. That's about it in terms of the elaborate scheduling. Right. And it's just like, it's so weird. It's just, it's, and I want to say it's like part of, and then also like dating with people. It's like, I'll meet a guy on another app. That's not necessarily hookup focused or I'll meet him at the bar and they're interested. Like, let's go out for pizza. Like everyone likes pizza or like we can go out and see a fucking movie. I don't give a fuck. Like I just would like to go out on a date. Like legit date. That would be nice. Like I don't even like, if you take me on a date, I will legit blow you. Like you're like, <laughs> there is like, what, what a part of the losing here? Like, it, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then like, it just always like, they'll flake out like an hour before or whatever. And I'm like, okay. The flake, out the, the flake out the day of is, I think really aggravating. And it happens to me every time. Yeah, well, I don't know why. And I've, and had I, it, like, I, I've had it. I, I've had this with men and women. Cause you know, I like both and it's oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> more opportunities for uh for fun times so yeah, networking exactly it's all about the networking building mm-hmm. the circle so mm-hmm. i find that one of the most aggravating things about dating the uh, the like oh i'd love to i can't wait to save that shit don't if you don't want to or if you're on the fence or whatever like transmit uh telegraph your uh and yeah. your uh what's the word your not antipathy but your ambivalence i want to know kind of where you're at just be straight up but i do find a lot of people have a big problem with actually saying what they think or feel right and then the worst part about it is is if they do show up and they do take me out and we do meet up and we're having a date um halfway through the date it's great we're vibing yeah i'm obviously like all right if he wants me to blow him i'm down like he showed up like (laughs) i'm obviously like i'm gonna be grateful you know (laughs) and then they get to a conversation where they're like Oh, so like I'm interested in doing drag. Oh yeah. That, so uh-huh. can you help me? Can you? How did you get started? And I'm like, I'm not a job interview. That's okay? right. Yeah. I do not. You when you want to work at Starbucks or in any industry, but here's an inference: like if you want to work at Starbucks, you don't fuck the manager during the interview to be a partista. You just don't do that. No, you don't. So what <laughs> part about your fucking mind think it's okay to fuck a drag queen and or? try to date one in, yeah. in order to get the industry. Yeah. Like you're using me for my art, something I've worked blood, sweat and tears to get to where the fuck I am. Right. That's you're not getting a fast pass, sweetie. Like mm-hmm. that's, there's no fast pass in any industry. No, okay. exactly. If you get one great, cool, happy for you. But seriously, it takes hard work. And you trying to take me on a date that like I've showered, I've douched, I've wasted my fucking time. Right. And you just want to do some fucking drag. Like I'd, I'd would have been willing to help you if you approached me with that question from the start, instead yeah. of alluding the fact that you were wanting to date me. Absolutely. And that to me is the most disrespectful shit. And like, that's like, I will seriously say probably 99.9% of the time. If I, a guy actually shows up and we go on a date, that's what happens. Oh, that's so, that's such a downer. It is really frustrating. Again, like you said, if someone wants advice on something, just ask, 
me or you yeah. or whatever. And um, I, I'd be more than happy to say, oh, you want to do a podcast or whatever, you know, like uh, what equipment do you, oh, sure, here, like use this equipment. Right. This is easy. Or if you have a low budget, this is easy, whatever. But if someone, anytime someone's trying to use I immediately shut down and I'm like, I never want to be around this person. I don't want to see them ever. So um, that's actually, it's kind of helpful though, because then it weeds those people out from our lives. But of course we still have to go through the unfortunate It's just like, why example. do I have to waste all that time? And yeah. Then also, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If I meet, like for instance, I'll be at like LA Gamer Society. I'll be at like a non-club thing, right? Where I'm meeting some, I went to a guy's, like for instance, I went to a friend's improv show the other night. This nice handsome gentleman comes up. He, my friend introduces me to him. I'm not trying to fuck, you know. I'm just like trying to make friends or whatever. Yeah, and, networking, like, network. being nice, casual friends, yeah, networking, yeah. whatever. I'm like, hey, how are you? And he's like, good. And like, oh, so what do you do for work? I know you're friends with Chet over here. Oh, well, uh, I'm a manager over here at like I think Warner Brothers, some shit. Like, you know, everyone in LA does something crazy. And you're <laughs> like, oh, cool. And he's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a drag queen. And then immediately the conversation stops. Oh, yeah. And then my friend's like, oh, he won drag. I'm like, no, like, I don't even want to like, I don't, I don't ever want to like have to defend my shit. And like, it took me a while to like, I've just recently been confident about saying what I do because like, it's a weird industry and like what your idea of a drag queen might not be what you realize who we are. And it's like a weird thing to talk about, but like, I'm not going to inhibit what the fuck I do. I work mm -hmm. really hard at what I do. Yeah. I'm not going to be ashamed of what I do. But I just find it so annoying. Like, okay, you manage like fucking, I don't know, CVS and I'm not going to pot roast you on what the fuck you do. Do you love what you do? I love what I do. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to get in that argument. But it's just so frustrating. Like, that's another thing. That's another aspect of the whole dating issue is like when you are honest and you are upfront and you're not yeah. hiding what you do because yeah. usually I have to trick them and I don't want to be tricky. Like, I'm, to do I'm, that. Like, yeah, I'm like almost 30. Like, I'm like, I'm not tired. I'm like, life is too fucking short. COVID's after my ass. I don't want to fucking do any of this shit. <laughs> So I'm not going to try to trick you or Jedi mind trick your ass into this bussy. Like this is like grade eight ass. Like my ass is real. It's beautiful. It's amazing. If you're going to dive in great, but like, I'm not going to try to mind trick you into that shit. And that's the thing is like, I don't want to have to hide that part about myself. And I find it weird that when I'm not, and I'm really honest and it's just like, guys are just like, which cool. Like I know I'm a clown, but like Steven's a person underneath that. Bitch is just a character that I get paid to do. Yeah. You know, there's still a person underneath that that makes all the decisions and does all of that. And do I want to be like, if I get to work, like if I'm 45, I'm still able to be bitch fitting and make money. Cool. Like I'm down with that. But ideally, like I don't want to be in drag forever. You know, like eventually, like I have other goals for myself that I want to do. It's just mm -hmm. like, this is like the ticket. And this drag has been something that's so good to me. It's always opened up doors for me. Every time I think of like, I'm going to finally close the door. I'm like, it's over. It's like, I got casted on Dragula or now right. digital drag shows taking off. Like it's it just one thing, like it's like, it feels like handkerchiefs are kind of tied together and I keep pulling out shit and it keeps like extending into this beautiful career. Well, you know, COVID, COVID happens and then you start digital drag show. You know what yeah. I mean? And then like yeah. Rolling Stone comes knocking at the door and, and all and that stuff. And it's like, hey girl, let's interview you. And I'm like, <laughs> I think that's I a called my mom. I called my mom. I was like, mom, guess who just, I just interviewed with? She's like, what, sweetie? I said Rolling Stone. And I heard her drop the plate as she was doing this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point though. You know, a lot of times, and especially during this crisis, like the moods are coming thick and fast and the seesaw is bouncing up and down at a crazy rapid rate. Mm -hmm. And we always have to remember in our darkest moods, I had a really bad day and a half one last week, <clears throat> but we don't know uh, what's around the corner in general. And even when we're like, yeah. fuck, maybe my thing is over or maybe this is that, like just keep pushing ahead, you know? Yeah, I think David Bowie said something like, right when you feel super scared or feel super shitty or feel like 
you're going to give up. Yeah. The pendulum swings back. Yes. And that's you right. know, you're on the cusp of something super exciting. So I kind of look, when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. I fucking understand that. Cause seriously, when you feel like you're at the bleakest, when you're crying yourself asleep, being like, I don't yeah. know what the fuck is going on. I need a sign from somewhere. It seriously comes through. And it, 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 it's so weird because like I being from a military family, everybody in my family has like, this is where you're gonna be for two years. And you have a steady paycheck and you have health insurance. Yeah. And you have access to all these resources to help you live your life. Right. And they they work in the military and they have those benefits because they they give service to the country. But they have this routine. Being a part of not that and being one of the first people in my family not to do that, it was really frustrating because they would always be like, well, what's your next step? And they right. would always be hounding my ass. I'm like, what the I'm thing? And I kind of slowly but sure, if you work hard, try to evolve and learn something each and every day and you keep your head down, there's going to be times where you feel like you want to quit. But right after that, like when a door, when a door shuts, there's 17 windows that open. That's right. And you're super focused about that door that shut for the first two days. But then you start to look around and you're realizing, oh, there's all these other opportunities. And there's never there, like there's never not a window open. And you just gotta constantly look out for that window. For instance, there was a thing, there was a project that almost went uh six months before the podcast started, and I'm thankful it didn't. But of course at the time I was in a state of financial peril and right. it just seemed like the only thing I could think of because we can lose perspective when times are desperate. And of course, these are desperate times right now, too. Definitely. You know, and it sounds trite to say like things will eventually get better or whatever. But I don't know, just based on my personal experience and your personal experience and the history of the country and the world, you know, there's things that happen. Good things yeah. eventually. Yeah. We, you mentioned David Bowie. So do you have a favorite Bowie era or look? <laughs> it's a tough one. You could pick three. I have, I have a weird connection with him because I did not, I was like late to the game with Bowie and how I got into Bowie, this is going to be weird, but I just, this is like, you know, wasn't introduced to them. And no, like, what, at a what people come my, to things in my, their own time. I was, you know? I was introduced to them, oddly enough, during the Runaways movie. Oh, I had Dakota yeah. Fanning and um, what's her name? Christian Stewart, who played Joan Jett. Yeah. But Dakota Fanning, first in the beginning of the movie, did a talent competition. And this is true with Cherie Curry, the lead singer of the Runaways, yeah. the first all female rock band she did a David Bowie number where she painted herself and she's like in the bathroom, like doing the thunderbolt across her face. Yeah. And I, there's something about that. It's just so sexy and yeah. so fucking fierce. And um, then I like did some research about Bowie and like fell in love with them. And um, the whole major Tom shit, like sure. definitely like the whole, like the whole story about that, like yeah. the whole, the like space opera about that shit is just what gets my rock off. Especially how there's like other songs take like major Tom. Like, yeah. You know, there's other artists who have like taken yeah, that and yeah. like, put it into somewhere else. And it's just Peter like, Schilling has that one yeah. about it. And it's like, it's such a thing that people make yeah. other songs about it. Right. And that he did the corresponding uh, ashes to ashes and all that. Uh, did you ever, I'm sure you know it, but do you know the, the, the 1980 version of space oddity that he did? That's just like stripped down. He plays yeah. all the instruments on it. Have you seen the video for that? Cause he actually did no. a video. I'll send it to you. He was, okay. on, he was on the Kenny Everett show. Now, Kenny Everett was a radio host who then had a TV show in England. He was uh, huge over there. And that is where we got the Hot Gossip Dancers from, the Kenny Everett video cassette. Oh, okay. so, Yeah, so Hot Gossip, who did I Lost My Heart to a Starship Trooper, but also Arlene Phillips, the fabulous choreographer, who's going to be on this show. Uh, work. Hey, I'm, so, hey. I'm so excited. As is Perry Lister, of course, oh. one time. Yes, that's Gag. right. Who, uh, and Arlene choreographed the Pet Shop Boys movie, choreographed the village people movie so many things so anyway uh, absolutely and so um yeah hot gossip and kenny everett uh kenny everett did a new year special all the time and he was friends with bowie and and freddie mercury 
So Bowie did um, a Space Oddity video with the new version that's very similar to the Ashes to Ashes video because they're directed by the same guy, the director of the Kenny Everett show, David Mallett. So I'll send that to you. Yeah, please. Give me all the tea. Oh, and I'm going to be doing my dance party on Twitch at some point. All right. I'm down for the dance party. And I do a full Bowie special, a full okay. four-hour Bowie thing. So news on that to come. But so in addition to Bowie, what are some other artists besides Bowie and Rob Zombie that, that do it for you? Um, how I oddly got introduced to a lot of queerness was uh, I took AP art history in high school. Yeah. And when we got to Greece and Rome, I started popping boners when we were talking about bathhouses and all that <laughs> fun shit. Um, but one of like the most influential artists I've ever kind of really affected my art was Francis Bacon. Are you familiar with him? Uh, mildly, but not as much he's as the I expression, would like He's the expressionist painter. And he was like post-World War II, like 50s and 60s. Uh, he iconically made like full-aid businessman and posted me and it was just all like this graphic shit. But right before he blew up, this is like one of my favorite stories of all time. Right before he blew up, it was like he was in London. He sold a couple of paintings. People like in London knew who he was, but he wasn't like super rock star famous yet, right? So in the middle of the night, he's sleeping. A guy breaks into his apartment, tries to rob him. And he's mostly known for his apartment. It's like still preserved. He like is from Ireland, uh, but he lived in London. But that apartment was moved to Ireland and it's preserved. I've seen it in person when uh-huh. I was on this past tour. It's so beautiful. But he's a hoarder. Like everything, like paints are <laughs> everywhere. Everything's splashed. There's like ripped up magazine. Like it's just like fucking crazy. Like yeah. seriously, this is his chaos is like how he fostered his art. So the guy's in there like, what the fuck? And he's like, just picking through shit, just trying to find anything to sell. Like, this is a guy who's broke and he knows this guy probably has some kind of something of value. Francis wakes up calmly, walks to the living room and looks at the burglar dead in his eyes. And he says, I got nothing you can rob me of, but you can take something from me in the bedroom. <laughs> and that is how he met his lifelong lover. Wow. Who inspired all of his major triptychs, all of his major pieces of art. They were together until his dying day. All of that shit. Oh, that's like, amazing. I love it. Oh, that. yeah. And there's a movie called The Love and the Devil. I think that's the name of it. Um, yeah. And Daniel Craig plays the lover of Francis Bacon. Yeah. And you can see Daniel Craig's penis uh-huh. in the bathroom scene. Holy <laughs> out. And that was around the time James Bond came out. And that's oh, when yeah. I knew I was real gay. Because <laughs> at Casino Royale, when he came out of the water, I was like, oh, okay. This is the tea. This is the real tea. Uh-huh. But musicians, I would say Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, Oliver Sykes was a huge reason why I'm vegetarian and been so for 15 years. Uh, Robin. I mean, who the sure. fuck doesn't love Robin? Dancing on my own is the anthem of my life, bitch. <laughs> because, like, it's weird because, like, you know, when the ball drops on New Year's Eve and you're seeing everybody have the time of their life and you're kind of a jester as a drag performer. Like, yeah. you're, like, the host of the party and you get to see all these people have fun and you have these magical connections and you go yeah. home to your hotel room and cry yourself to sleep. You know, like... <laughs> Dancing yeah. on your own is like my anthem, bitch. I yeah. fucking hear you on that. Um, who else do I really love? I love Carly Rae Jepsen. I hate to be that bitch, but well, hey, listen, damn, no, I'm like music is music, you know. That's that's she. She's great. <laughs> so she's great. Emotions side B is like a highly underrated album. It's just '90s pop, and it sounds so fucking good. Um, who else? I love I love all kinds of music, like yeah. Nicki Minaj, like her mixtape shit with Beat Me Up, Scotty. I seriously listen to everything. Yeah, I I do as well. I mean, I tend to focus on one or two c- certain pools but i do like everything of all stripes and i also think that it's great to like pop music some the whole guilty pleasures notion is ridiculous it's like whatever yeah. d- floats your boat that's great and anything that brings joy is wonderful and welcome now what about films Ooh, okay my top five favorite films 
number one, Fifth Element. Oh yeah, I did a movie club on that with Ms. Cracker. I hadn't seen it before, oh, and it was really oh amazing. God. Yeah, so good. I mean, Chris Tucker getting casted in that movie. He said yes on the fact he knew it was a space action movie, yeah. and that Bruce Willis was starring in it. Not knowing anything about his character <laughs> being a feminine DJ host, yeah, that yeah. he would be like wearing leopard print and roses and freaking out like a like basically a gay man, but he was straight. It was like that character is like he deserved an Oscar for that. Absolutely, that character was so fucking. He was good. amazing in that. Um, and the costuming, Mila Jovovich's debut, like iconic, like yeah. everything about that movie. Oh, so good. You could watch that over and over again. I remember watching that when I was like seven. I shouldn't have watched that when I was seven. <laughs> I was like, my mind was like. Like yeah. it just opened up into like a whole nother realm. Uh, I really love Kill Bill Volume One and yeah, Two. Yeah, I, I'm like a video game girl, so like I love a female like protagonist sure. and the shit out of people and getting revenge. It's just so good, you know. And sometimes my favorite theater in LA, which I can't wait till we can all go to the movies again. But the New Beverly is owned by Quentin Tarantino, and sometimes they show gag. They, they sometimes will show the uh, Kill Bill: The Whole Bloody Affair, which is the original conception Cut. of it uh yeah with all of it in one form oh yeah. shut the fuck up that's the date night for us absolutely I'll get pizza I, afterwards i'm totally down that <laughs> sounds good i will let you know i'll provide the weed and the pizza Perfect. i'm down for that okay <laughs> sounds good um love that movie rush hour two i just like chris tucker yeah um uh who else uh so chris uh, maybe we'll do oh, a movie club sometime uh, bringing down the home down bringing down the house love that movie oh i haven't seen that is it steve martin? steve martin is that right i love yeah, steve martin. Uh-huh. yeah super fun um what else do i really love oh silence of the lambs i mean oh yeah yeah <sighs> would you fuck me i'd fuck me i'd fuck <laughs> me so hard so many things about that movie like the whole trilogy of the ugh, Hannibal Lecter, just a queer icon. Okay. Now, like, are you familiar with the original, uh, the Michael Mann Manhunter? No. Okay. I'll send it to you because the first time um, Hannibal Lecter was in a film, it was like 83, 84, and it was not that big of a hit, but it's um, what William Peterson, who was in CSI and To Live and Die in LA, stars uh-huh. as um, Will Graham, who is the FBI agent uh, who is investigating a serial killer and he goes to Hannibal Lecter it's the first in the series of books but it I think it the book is called Red Dragon so it was remade oh as Red Dragon. yeah I, I made I watched Red Dragon okay but there was one called Mindhunter that was made before oh no Manhunter yeah Manhunter Manhunter, Manhunter and it was, was made, made before. before using that story and it's really great I'll send that to you and of course Michael Mann yeah. who made Miami Vice so it's got the vibe of Miami Vice and it's super, super. Uh, oh fuck great. yeah! I want to yeah. watch that. Show All right, maybe we'll sure. do a movie club on that. We'll see. We'll talk yeah. about that in the future. I'm yeah. down. I'm down. Fantastic I'm down for anything. Um, yeah, I like. I love movies. Are great. I yeah. always wanted to be a director. Like yeah. when I was in college, that's what I wanted to do. And well, maybe someday. That's why. I, well, that's why I did drag, and that's why yeah. I'm doing drag because it's like you're in charge of everything. You're you kind of oversee everything, right? Like you're picking out the music, you're picking out the clothes, the yeah. mu- like the design, like the whole through line of everything, and kind of putting your hand in multiple different pots. So like when yeah. I eventually do go to something where I'm like, that's why like I feel like I'm good on sets because like I kind of yeah. understand what production goes through and all the hard work they go through. Sure. Um. So yeah, like eventually that's what I want to do is like direct. And I was trying to work on some short for the Outfest, but <laughs> that's kind of canceled. So like, <laughs> I feel like eventually I really want to do something um, with like Dennis Cooper's like writing. I really want to do something fucking weird and different. 
Uh, but yeah, like I love phones. We're about to wrap up, but I want to say how much I loved chatting with you today and I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And for those who are interested in being part of Digital Drag, please yeah. go to digitaldrag.net. And for those who want to tune in, it's absolutely free to watch. We just ask for a donation. You can find out all that information at twitch.tv slash bitchpudding. That's B-I-Q-T-C-H-P-U-D-D-I-N. And we stream each and every Friday night, 7 p.m. PDT and 10 p.m. EDT. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? Um, your voice is amazing. Can I have it? <laughs> Can I trap happy. you in a ball? Can I do like Ariel and like the Ursula exchange where I just like trap it? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. I mean, you know, we're still in our separate places, but yeah, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. My and uh, for those who haven't watched Dragula, Labor's Dragula yeah. is also streaming right now on Netflix, seasons two and three. And it's a fabulous series and they're fabulous folks. And uh, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Smell you later. Oh